a big part of who I am in Christ first is I'm crucified in him. And that was something that I wanted to avoid for a long time because like who wants to die? You're tuning in to Coach and Joe, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to Coach and Joe. My name is Chad Norris, and this is Blake Berg, Joe Reynolds, and Preacher Norris. Preacher has to be with us today because if I put him down, he'll bark because no one is upstairs to watch him. I am looking forward to jumping into a fun conversation. So you, you're the point guard of a school called Ascent. Mm-hmm. Why are you smiling at me? Because I just... Your teeth are white, by the way. Thank you. I brush them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty consistently. You also got darker. I wonder if that might... Because you went fishing in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Your teeth have never been that caught white. A shark. Caught a shark. Let's not talk about that right now. Do Why? you do you do you whiten your teeth? No, you want to stay here. Uh, no, I've never whitened my teeth in my life. Let me see them. <laughs> you got darker in Miami. It's a relative. It's yes, a relative I did get darker. So your teeth got whiter. I told you this on an earlier podcast that it get dark, darker, in the well, summer, you, and then you said, well, "What do you mean?" You did, though, you, and you did catch a shark. So tell, you did. went fishing in Florida. That's your thing. I did. I went to South Florida with some friends who were in the Keys. And we went fishing for three days. It was amazing. I can't make noise. So. Do you fish? I don't. What do you do? Uh, I make things, make messes, play music. Raise three boys. Raise three boys. And you'll have a dog. We have a dog, Rhonda. Rhonda. <laughs> that is. What kind of dog is Rhonda? Uh, Rhonda is a boxer feist mix. Feist? Feist. So What's she, a feist? Uh, uh, they're very energetic. They're small-ish energetic dogs. Mm. But so the boxer part of her though is her size. So instead, she's a big, energetic dog, <laughs> which I didn't realize. She pees she everywhere too. It she's a, she's a um, she's an excited peer. Which son? She's is, a social peer. Which son does she like the best? Uh, Oscar. What is she on Myers Briggs? <laughs> introverted, extrovert, extrovert. All the, everyone's an extrovert. Like I'm a I'm relatively an introvert compared to everybody. <laughs> Even <laughs> introverts. All three boys. <laughs> Oh, you mean inside your house? Inside in the whole world, I'm more <laughs> of an introvert. Relatively, even compared to introverts, they're still not introverts. You're I'm, the introverted introvert. introvert. Yes. Uh, people usually call it severely introverted. Like it's a sickness. Detrimentally introverted. Like I'm terminally, I'm a terminal <laughs> introvert. Well, we've been working together off and on for what, 12 years? Yeah. What's funny is me and you know each other so well now. I can walk down the hall, see Blake, us not even look at each other, nothing's wrong. <laughs> You do that to an extrovert, and they're yeah. calling some poltergeist minister to get the demons yeah. out of somebody. And I'm thinking, finally, someone gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's, let's going back to you. Um, I told you before we started this show. It's undeniable. You're in a in a different place, yep. Blake, with God mm. than you've ever been. Hopefully, we all are. Let's go to Psalm 24. Will you read that, Joe? Yeah. Is it like one through three? Yes. Starting starting verse three. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So the name of our school that you run is called Ascent. Yep. And right here, it's obvious here, who may ascend the mountain of God. I wrote about in my book, Mama Jane's Secret, in the last chapter, I had that heavenly encounter where God said it's time to ascend the mountain. And so I just started digging in scriptures. It's obvious that... I'm not so sure we ever arrive in God, but we are called to climb. That's right. And it's very paradoxical because we're already in Christ, yet we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So to be really, really practical, Blake, we'll start with you. You were 
you have grown a lot in God. You've ascended the mountain in the last 12 years since I've known you. What are some practical ways? What what is what the heck is ascending the mountain of God? So I think the biggest thing for me happened probably five years ago. Uh, I was working with an organization that trained in mission and discipleship. And so I'm like, I'm learning tons of things that one, I've never been exposed to my whole life that are really incredible things. I see them all throughout scripture. And at the same time that I'm learning all these things and being exposed to new ideas about who God is and what mission actually looks like and who I am in Christ, I recognized a, a large gap between what I was learning as true and what I saw in my own life. And not only what I saw in my own life as, as practical things, but actually that I didn't really even want to do those things. I had a hard time valuing mission, valuing discipleship. And it was a, a big wake-up call for me in that moment of going, like, wait a second, like, I'm missing out on huge portions of what I've actually been created for. Mm-hmm. So really, like, that was, that was a really key moment in my own ascension was realizing, one, that there is a mountain to climb, and I'm not climbing it. And I haven't been climbing, and I haven't even cared that I'm not climbing it. And so, you, uh, like, you've really got to start there. And wherever you're at, like, you've got to be able to stop, and, and the Lord's good enough in his mercy to sort of poke you and get you to turn around and realize, mm-hmm. oh, wait, like, how have I missed that my what, entire was life? Was it a moment of awakening for you? Was it gradual? When, when did your uh-oh moment of, wait, there's a mountain, I'm not climbing him. Yeah, so it was a, it was a moment we were, we were having a kind of a discussion group, and it was about um, basically, like, doing life with other people. And all I could think of the whole time was, I don't want anything, like, that's not what I want to do at all. That sounds terrible. Like, who wants to do life with other people? And then it, I left going, <laughs> that's the opposite of everything that I'm actually learning and actually can say, like, this is true. And so there's this big uh-oh moment where then over the next few years, like, my prayer always was, like, hey, look, I need to see people the way you see them. Because I bet if I see people the way you see them, I'll start to value things yeah. the way that you value them. I'll start to value people the way you value them. And I've got to start with the way that I'm thinking. So for a lot of time, even even in that season of my life, I was trying to do behaviors and do actions. And it's really hard to make your behaviors change the way that you think because thinking is what always determines behaviors. And so I just kept petitioning over and over again to the Lord of, like, change the way that I think concerning these things that actually are fruit of, of ascending the mountain because I need to see the, I need to see that fruit in my life. But it's only going to happen as I start to, to get my thinking more in alignment with thinking that is up high in the mountain. When did you get born again? I don't have a date. Um, but I I grew up going to church, you know. And so I'm, I'm just assuming five, six years old. When's the first time that this metaphor became real to you? Are you even in considered it the idea of a mountain to climb oh definitely when i was here so within the past two years um it's one of the things i'm most grateful for and it's crazy because you had me read this to start the podcast and something jumped out on this that has never jumped out to me okay but it says who may ascend the mountain of the lord who may stand in his holy place the one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god and I think, I know you guys did some podcasts on, on shame. You and Sean did. But an idol is a shame covering. 
And so the thing I focus on, even in the scripture, are clean hands and pure hearts. I've even taught that in the school. Well, I've, I've mentioned the idol part, but the Holy Spirit's highlighting this idol thing to me. For, for me, the idea of ascending the mountain became really real when I've, I've chosen to confront shame face-to-face for the first times in my life. Um, I, I think one of the traps that humanity's under is that at the core of every human being is, is shame. I mean, that's the curse of the fall. And, and what happens is, is we trust in idols to cover our shame. And so whether it's family, whether it's, you know, you can go all, you know, into the sin. So all the different things people can do sin-wise, but there can even be godly things that we're still stewarding and hosting as shame coverings to cover really where we feel really, really feel naked before the Lord. And so what I coming to Bridgeway shifted my life because what I found out is that there were a lot of religious things that I was doing as shame coverings. One of the first things that it was that the father he broke in my life was reading the Bible. So one of the things that I did, this is about four years ago, is I made a vow to God. And I said, God, I want to be your friend. And I vow to never miss a day reading the scriptures with you the rest of my life. And I didn't for years, consistently for years. And then one morning I woke up and Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to read the Bible today. And it offended everything in me to my core. And I couldn't figure out why the heck I heard God say that. But what he had showed me was that reading the Bible had become a way for me to, to get closer to God in my own strength and my own mind. It was a religious act that I was still doing. And the reality was is that I still was using, using religious things to cover this, this shame that I've been carrying that there's, you know, God really doesn't want me, that it still does depend on what I can do to get to him. And so I actually, idolatry for me was actually the written word of God and mental assent. So I used mental assent, I used knowledge, I used increasing in learning about God, which all on the surface looked like great godly things, but the problem was is that was to, I was using it to mitigate and repress, to, to keep behind this, this deep shame that I had, at which point it was actually a really unhealthy thing for me. And so what I started to understand is that ascending the mountain of God, when it says you can't, you can't trust in an idol or a false god, like that, that literally means that we have got to come face to face with shame. You know, in Brene Brown's TED Talk on vulnerability, it's like, I think it's the most viewed TED Talk that exists. Yeah, top two or three. Because what her TED Talk does, and she doesn't even come at it from an overtly religious standpoint. I do believe she's a Christian um, at this point in her life. But vulnerability in community and with God, answering the where are you question, the first question God ever asked man. I know you'll smile when I say that. But the first question God ever asked man is where are you? And it's an invitation to bring vulnerably where you really are because the thing that God wants to do is rid us of our shame. And I was talking with Sean Curtis today and he, he, he explained to me that the gospel, specifically in the past hundred years or so, has been on the guilt basis, right? So the way that it's preached is we've all, we're all guilty and we need Jesus to remove and to vindicate our guilt. See, but that's an incomplete picture of the gospel. That's all truth. Hear me, I'm saying that's true. But the deeper issue is, is that we're all shame-filled, and we need Jesus to be our righteousness to reconnect us to Abba into a place of honor. It's why we're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. It's the, it's the honor place, see, because the curse of the fall was shame on humanity. It's why Adam and Eve hid themselves and covered themselves. Yeah. The, 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 the core of, of human brokenness is shame. And with Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ sent him. He said, it's better that I, that I go so you can have the helper because the helper 
Holy Spirit, his presence is what's bringing us out from shame into a place of honor that Abba has for us. Because he can stay behind the shame anyway. Yes. And he told me this, like, one of my friends, Cody, this is actually something that he really instilled in me and, and, and spoke into me. But he said, Joe, God won't, he won't minister to a false self, which means if we present before him anything but where we really are, it actually locks up intimacy. Because God is not looking to be intimate with anything but the real Blake, yeah. or anything but the real Chad, or anything but the real Joe. And so this 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 ascent, it's a, it's an ascent. But if we have the mindset that it's anything but of an ascent of intimacy, the the ascent of the mountain of God, this Psalm twenty four is intimacy with God, which only comes from a place of naked and unashamed, a place with no shame coverings, where He can continue taking us higher. Did I ever have you read Abba's Child by Brendan Manning? Yeah, you did. Chapter 1, The Imposter, maybe chapter 2. Chapter 2, yeah. The Imposter. If you, I want to take this moment. If you've never read this book, I would so encourage you to do it because the chapter that he's referring to on The Imposter, it deals directly with shame. So Brendan Manning's presupposition in that book is that all of humanity carries with them an imposter, which is a false self that we project. Even unknowingly, even unbeknownst to ourselves, but it's a way for us to be more palpable to others and even to our own brokenness and our own self for self-acceptance. And what Brendan says in that book is that true freedom comes from not needing that imposter anymore and actually laying aside imposter Joe, imposter Chad, imposter Blake and saying this is the authentic and letting God minister to that true self. Part of the strand of that perverted grace message is that it totally ignores what you just said and focuses on who you are in Christ, which is true. But you also have to have the ability to remove that shame covering, that imposter side. There can be truths about us in Christ and it not be my experience because I'm focusing so much on the biblical reality of who I am in Christ or who I am in the Spirit. When the Father's saying, yes, that is true, but in order to experience the reality of that freedom, you need to go ahead and take that shame covering off. How has shame covering uh, played a role, or how about shame uncovering, played a role in you recently? Ascending uh, well, the mountain. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing, and even with what you're just saying, is a big part of who I am in Christ. First, is I'm crucified in Him, and that was something that I wanted to avoid for a long time because, like, who wants to die? But in trying to live, like, I mean, I think living is what we try to do to to cover our shame. That's right. And so I've spent a ton of my life living and trying to cover my own shame, which results in me just being killed over and over and over and over again. Not in in a, in a way that resurrects. I'm just constantly being killed, and I think that's the picture of uh, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose it, you're going to save it. Yes, Blake, that's right? so good. And so, like over and over again, I'm, I'm trying to push up my own coverings so that I can live and not be killed. Because the the fear is, what if the lies that the accuser is coming at me with are actually true? And and sometimes that's too hard of a thought to bear. And so I'm covering, 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 trying to live, trying to live, when the reality is what I need to just do is be crucified with Christ, and then all of a sudden resurrection power hits my life, and now God becomes my covering again. And so for me, like, art making was my shame covering for my, like, my entire life. And it made me get really good at it. I mean, the, the sad thing is I grew in wisdom and stature in it, right? And growing in wisdom and stature is not a bad thing mm-hmm. at all. However, I grew in wisdom and stature as a shame covering, not in the in the sense of Colossians three twenty three that I'm I'm working at this as if I'm working for the Lord, and so then I came to Bridgeway, and a couple of years ago, and then I find myself doing small graphics, 
and things that offended my shame covering because I'd built up this covering as this great artist. I'm really skilled. I'm really smart. I'm really good at all these different disciplines. I'm good at all these areas. And then I thought, wait, like, how dare you ask me to lower myself to make a graphic for an event? Right. And then I had that thought in my head. And the immediate thing after that was how disgusting of a thought is that? Because the reality is what could be a better calling than to make a graphic that's to invite people into friendship with God. Yeah. And so I had to have this, this moment where I really had to wrestle and evaluate, like, what am I doing and why am I doing this? And I finally got to a point in the center of the mountain where I realized it's not, it's not about me at all. It's about me actually dying, about me actually exposing what my core shame is and realizing that, oh, wow, these things, like, he is just an accuser. Those things are lies. And God will welcome me back, and then he'll provide that, that covering Two nights ago, I was grilling out. My 10-year-old said, Dad, when me, Sam, and Ruthie move out, will you grill naked? <laughs> Did you know this? No. And uh, I said, I've never had that thought, but yeah, probably. Because <laughs> my kids say all the time, Dad, we're gone one day. You'll just walk around the house naked. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> there's just something that's... It, there's nothing more free than just nothingness. What is it? Let's start with you. What... Like, the whole idea of shame covering, it's kind of silly if you think about it. So he lives in me. Mm-hmm. He he made me before, he, he knew me before he made me. Mm-hmm. He knows everything. What what Do we feel like it's going to protect us from, why would we even reach for a shame covering? Why not just go ahead and live naked before him, live clean, even even emotionally? I mean, obviously, we, we wear clothes. I'm being silly with what Jeff was talking about. But we do the same thing. It's like we try to... We're an imposter even with the Father. Why? Why? Well, I, I do. I think it's the curse of the fall. And so I, I would really encourage you guys to stay in Genesis. And Blake, you said something the other day where you, you can't seem to get out of the first three chapters yeah. of Genesis with everything. Yeah. And I think it's really important because it unlocks the mystery of what we're really up against. See, the, the tree they ate from was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So in layman's terms, that tree gave them the ability to discern what is good and what is not. Before they ate from that, God was their only litmus, the voice of the Lord, in pure, uninhibited intimacy. Just follow the voice of the Lord. And it was, that was where they got their, guide, their guidance for their life. And ever since we've been born, we're all born under the sin, under sin, under the law. We're all born into Adam. We are so, we're born under a curse. And that curse is for us to get really self-aware and say, well, for my life, this is what's good. This is what's evil. And even after we're born again in Christ, and this is what you're talking about when, when the perverted grace message just, it acts like the fullness has come in every way. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to renew your mind anymore because you now you're one with God. Well, that's just an opposite. That's heretical. That's in opposition to Scripture. There is a working out of our salvation that we have to walk out and walk through, and it's learning to let go of the curse, let go of our own reasoning. The word's reasoning is to drop reasoning for how I see the world, for how I see myself, for how I see Blake, and only cleave to one thing, and that's the voice of the Father, the presence of Holy Spirit. And the truth of Jesus is our king. And from that place, like, we can slowly but surely stand naked before him. And what starts to happen is you get free from, from yourself more and more, and then you realize, I, I don't have to bring anything to Blake anymore. 
And I can actually just love Blake, not need Blake to love me back, but just love him because I'm fully loved by God. And so what, what you start to see is a freedom that enters into your life because you're uncovered. But, but to answer your question, it's reasoning and it's the curse of the fall that causes us to cling, cling to coverings and to idols as opposed to clinging to him. I was, when he was out of town, the kids would have been really young. Jack wasn't born yet. This had probably been 12, 13 years ago. And I went upstairs to spend time with the father, and I lit some candles, which I haven't done before or since. It's just, just not me. And I got on my knees. I, st- I confessed my sins, everyone I could think of, for about five minutes. And I heard loud in my left ear, what are you doing? To which that offends the religious mind because it's like, well, you need to confess your sins. I, it, it was, it sounded spiritual and sounded good, but I went in there as though he wasn't gonna. Yeah, it, it's I was covered up. Yeah, it's a heart posture prayer. Man, I I do sincerely pray that whoever's listening to this that you would just get to a, a place to where you realize. I don't want to ascend the mountain with any more shame coverings. What's uh, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, let go of the sin that so easily entangles us. I think shame coverings entangle us. And it trip us up. Isn't it sad that when Satan is not our enemy, but ourselves are? When you become your own enemy, that's just like, man, that's just a, that's a ball of wax of like, man, maybe we just need to be recaptured. Uh, use our imagination to once again consider the fact that perhaps he's not as uh, perturbed with what we're covering up with as we think. Be free. Don't live your life behind fig leaves. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to Coach and Joe. Catch more episodes on YouTube and podcast. To take a deeper look at friendship with God, check out coachandjoe.com. 